Welcome to the Talent Development Think Tank Podcast. The number one podcast for learning and talent development professionals. Now here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Think Tank Podcast. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm so excited that you're joining me today for another great episode and conversation to help you up your game and improve your capabilities in the world of talent development. And one of the most popular topics that has been coming up over and over again in the many conversations I've been having with people around the talent development world lately is on leadership and leadership development. So I thought it would be worth having another episode where we dive into some of that topic, as well as some other periphery topics around the concept of leadership. And my guest today is an expert on this subject. I'm really excited to talk with her and bring her on. Julie Menden is the CEO and founder of Julie Menden LLC a boutique coaching and training company offering executive and high-performance coaching, leadership development, speaking, mentorship, and keynote speaking. As a speaker, author, facilitator, and lifelong learner, Julie is on a mission to help others to realize what they are fully capable of by stepping into the high, their high-impact leadership and powerfully owning and using their voice to achieve the results they want. Julie was a contributing author in the book, Peak Performance Mindset, Tools for Leaders is the host of the It Starts With You podcast, in which I have been a guest in the past, and is featured in a variety of publications such as Forbes, Authority Magazine, Thrive Global, and more. And after doing the firewalk at a Tony Robbins event, Julie realized just how much we are capable of when we put our minds to it and want to help others realize what is possible too. And uh, Julie, I love all of that. I have also done the firewalk at the Unleash the Power Within from Within by Tony Robbins, and it is a life-changing experience. What was it like for you? Oh my goodness. I don't remember if I knew, did we talk about that before? I don't, I don't know. If, I don't remember if we did. I don't know if we did. Oh my gosh. A fellow firewalker. Yeah. It was like you said, life-changing. It was. So my husband at the time we went in 2019, which was one of his largest events. It was LA and their huge convention center. And my husband was really into Tony Robbins. I love personal development. I'm obsessed yeah. with growth and all that. I wasn't sure about Tony Robbins. I was kind of right. like, know about this guy. So I I surprised my husband. I bought him tickets for this event going in zero intention to do that firewalk. I'm like, I know what happens when you touch fire. Why would I do this? Yeah. But then as you know, you get in like the energy and the hype. There's like two hours of hype, like leading up to it. Oh yeah. It was just like, and then you end up doing it at like, I think ours was like one or one 30 in the morning because his days are insane. And so it's just like, you just go out there and just do it. And I remember obviously it's over in like an instant. Yeah. But I stopped and, you know, you didn't really feel it until I stopped. And I actually felt like a hot coal was stuck in my baby toe. But then they yeah. come with the hose and they right. it was completely it was transformative. Just like, wow, look what we're capable of. Yeah, I think I went I also went with my wife. I think we went in 2017 in okay. West Palm Beach. It was in the convention center down in Palm Beach, down where Tony lives and also a huge event. I mean, there must have been 10,000 people there. And we were really excited to go. I was, I would say like a fairly big fan of Tony, not huge, but obviously big into personal development, had heard great things about the event. One thing I would say about that firewalk is I had listened to lots of people talk about it. And I feel like there's a lot out there of buzz, people saying like, oh, because of something with the surface of the feet or some magical Mm -hmm. thing they do, like you don't even feel it. Like, no, I felt that. I definitely felt it. I felt the hot coals as I walked over and I felt like I got a little burn, but I also walked over it like 
fairly unscathed. It is a pretty magical experience. And it's a lot about mindset, about overcoming mm -hmm. fear to do hard things, which can be transformative, even if, you know, little things, if you've never done it before, like going on a podcast or whatever it may be that can help build your confidence to be able to achieve more things later. Yeah. And I talk about this in one of my keynote talks too, where it's like, I'm not going out in there and telling people you all need to go walk over fire and please don't, unless yeah. you're at a Tony Robbins event and they've, trained, and they've trained you. So, you know, just to put that in there. However, you know, the point of it is just like, wow, look at the things that we are able to do and overcome when we put our mind to, obviously I'm obsessed with mindset and, mm -hmm. you know, helping people to see what they're capable of. And so oftentimes people really limit what they think they can do. And so an experience like that is like, whoa, if I can do that, I can pick up the phone and call somebody, or I can stand yeah. in front of people and give a presentation. And it's just one of those things where you're constantly making yourself uncomfortable to grow. Yeah. I'm also uh, semi-obsessed with this topic of mindset. People who follow me know I talk about it a lot. I read about it a lot. I'm always discovering new things, a lot of introspection. I'm curious, anything else that came out of that or that just something that you think about a lot when it comes to mindset for yourself and for others? Oh, yeah. I mean, I this is something that I'm literally, we talk about in our household all day long. We teach our son, we have a seven-year-old and we talk about mindset and mental fitness all the time. And I integrate it a lot into everything that I do, whether I'm doing executive coaching, whether I'm going and doing leadership development at companies, I'm speaking, I'm always integrating mindset. I actually just recorded a podcast with my husband on mental toughness, where we talk about some other things that we do like ice baths and mm. a, a lot of different health things. And it's like, yeah, physically the benefits, but it's also just challenging your mind. And I think you know, one of the biggest things that I see when I'm working with executives or business owners is that we so often get the strategy piece from people or in leadership development space, you get the framework of this is how you should have a tough conversation or this is how you should do this. And what's not focused on enough is your own mindset going into it and how you've wired your brain to either set you up for success or failure. And so I honestly am just always reading about it and educating people about how important it is, that piece and the strategy piece. Yeah. That whole idea from Tony of where focus flows, energy goes, and mm -hmm. you know, your mindset can determine so much, but like how you perceive the world, your outlook of the world informs like how you interpret events and things that are happening around you. Um, I just recorded the podcast episode about that as well. And Julie, I love that you bring this into a lot of the work you do with leaders and speaking because you are spreading that message and helping so many people, but let's back up. I'd love to start with some of your background and how you got into this work because you, you do this as your own business now, but you've worked in the, the talent development field for, for quite some time, right? Yeah. So if we go way back, you know, I've always been obsessed with this area. So I have a degree in communication, interpersonal communication. I've really always been obsessed with how do people interact with each other? How do people grow? And so, you know, I started, I worked for a nonprofit for a while. I was a career advisor at college. Then I spent the majority of my time at a large fortune 500 company in HR. I started in the HR department, which was like HR and recruiting, supporting the HR generalists and the recruiting team. And then I discovered the training and development department, the talent development department. And, you know, they would come and facilitate classes there because it was a large organization. There was a lot of opportunities to take growth classes on presentation skills, influence, change, all these different things. And I became obsessed and I set my eyes on that is the department I need to be in. I need to be in there facilitating training. I loved, you know, facilitating leadership development things. And so what I started doing is I heard it was really hard to get into that department because a lot of people really wanted to be in that department. Mm. 
So I just started networking my way. That's what someone told me to do. I was you know, newer in my career and they said, Hey, if you want to, you want something, you've you know, you've got to make connections. You've got to let people know your name. So I just started having coffee or lunch chats with all these different people that worked in talent development. And that's really how I got in. And then I spent about six years uh, in that talent development space, largely focused on the leadership development. So designing trainings and courses. And I did a lot of facilitation going in and helping teams. You know, I did disc and personality assessments with teams. And around that time, I also was helping to bring in an external partner to do coaching for the top level executives in the company. And that was really my first like foot into coaching. I didn't really know what coaching was. I also had a manager at the time who was a certified coach and she really incorporated coaching into her management with me. Mm. And my eyes just really got open to how powerful it is when you combine coaching and sort of that self-awareness and introspection with actual trainings Mm. and then I was like, oh gosh, now I think I want to do this. <laughs> so I was there for a while and I found myself going, ooh, what's next? Uh, started to get certified as a coach. I pivoted into public public sector for about a year and a half where I did leadership development as I got certified as a coach. And then I started my own coaching and training company to really be able to focus more on the things that I saw missing in organizations. Yeah, really cool. I I love the evolution. And I'm curious, before we jump into some of the main topics I want to talk about, just coming into your story, uh, we have a lot of listeners who, you know, mostly work in companies, some do some work, you know, consulting, coaching on the side, a lot of people love doing coaching, some people dream of doing it on their own. Why did you decide to make why did you make the decision to go out and do it on your own versus in a company? And was it like taking the risk to, to make that happen? Oh, that's such a good question. And to be to be honest with everybody, I was so far removed from the idea of being an entrepreneur about five years ago. Like when I was in corporate, I never even considered starting my own business. To me, that was way too risky. I was like, no, you stay with the company, you work really hard, you grow with the company. And honestly, it was just a voice and like a gut feeling of I was able to do it. I was really fortunate to be able to be doing facilitation and leadership development in my role. There wasn't a lot of opportunity at the time for me to do coaching. And when I saw how impactful having a manager who did coaching for me was, and the reality is in a lot of organizations, you can't bring in, you know, coaches for every single level. And so I saw a lot of need for coaches at kind of that new emerging leader level and that mid manager level, whereas a lot of the times it was just the executives getting coaching. So I just kind of had this voice and it's like, oh, Julie, what if, what if, Mm -hmm. and just kind of kept leaning into that until I decided, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to just like, and again, I kind of had a transition plan, but for me, it was really this being guided by this bigger mission that I wanted to have a bigger impact and be able to focus more on the things that I saw having an impact. And to be honest, you know, at that time too, I had a little guy at home and the idea for me of having ownership of my own schedule and having more flexibility was a really big value of mine. Yeah, that makes a big difference as well, like sort of creating that freedom. And there's a dichotomy there when you have kids, it maybe, and I have two kids of my own and I've gone out on my own, you know, having those kids and, and yeah, you could, you could find more freedom, but also there's a lot more uncertainty. And so yes. there's pros and cons, right. That come. Oh with yeah. I learned. A, I mean, I learned a lot. I, I don't regret it. I love it. But yeah, that the whole idea that you're, you know, working lots, you're working way more just at different times of the day. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a lot of entrepreneurs in my network and I don't think 
that on average they work less than no, most no, no. employees <laughs> that I know. So if you're out there and you work in a company and you're like, ah, oh, one day I want to leave and become a coach on my own and I'll have this, I'll just be sitting on the beach and coaching a couple hours a day, like, eh, you might be working more than that. But everybody's situation yeah. is different, right? You never know. So uh, you've done a lot of work in coaching and I want to ask about that, but I'm going to put that aside for a second and come back to leadership, which is the main topic I wanted to go into. Because as I said at the at the top of the podcast, everybody I talk to in every company, and I have just dozens of conversations all the time with people in L&D, everybody's working on some type of learn- leadership development program, right? That we need to develop our leaders. A lot of times they're starting at the top of the house at the executive level. There's more attention being paid to that middle level. And then of course, there's the frontline leaders, their first time managers, programs, all kinds of stuff going on. What do you see as you're working with leaders and with organizations What do you see as some of the bigger challenges or mistakes out there when it comes to developing leaders? And then maybe we can talk about what do you think are some of the best practices when it comes to helping create better leaders? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, myself as well, I'm always having conversations with organizations around leadership and fellow peers around, hey, what are we seeing? What are some of the industry trends right now? What are some of the biggest struggles organizations are having? I just got back from a mastermind where we were really diving into what are some of the biggest leadership development challenges that organizations are facing. And I mean, one of the big areas is, uh, you know, really closing what they're seeing as the leadership gap, which is we're noticing that there are, you know, maybe more people that are leaving the organization and taking their talent, their experiences, their skills with them, and not enough people who are tooled up and ready to take on those roles, whether they haven't had opportunities to develop their skills, they're kind of just being thrown into these leadership roles. And so we're noticing that there's this sort of skills gap and we're we're losing knowledge and we're losing experience. And so one of the things that I'm talking to organizations about is what are we doing to close that leadership gap? What are you doing to tool up and prepare and, and kind of reskill the workforce for people who are leaving? That's definitely a big area. Also, people are still navigating how do we work with, you know, hybrid workforce. This is still a big conversation that I'm hearing. I'm sure you're hearing is, you know, people all work from home and then they came back and now there's new rules around how many times you have to be in the office. So people are still really trying to navigate how do I lead people when they're all over the place? That's a big area. And then I would say another one that just in general that a focus around really developing more and something I'm really passionate about was more self-aware leaders because a lot of leaders were not given the tools. A lot of people was put into leadership roles and had to figure it out. And they never really had an opportunity to figure out like, why do they even want to be in leadership? What is it that their values are? And we're seeing the impact of that because we have leaders who are leading from a place of unaware. And that creates a lot of, you know, tension in the workplace. There's not trust being built. There's issues with those different generations. So those are some of the key areas that I'm having conversations around. Yeah. And you touched on one thing right there that I always think is the biggest challenge in talent development and leadership overall, which is, you know, high-performing individual contributors being promoted to manager for their talents and the, the accomplishments they have. But now they're in a completely different role, completely different skill, and oftentimes not given the training or the the guidance on how to be a great manager or even given the space to do that, right? If they're told, well, we now we want you to keep doing your job and mm-hmm. manage these five people. So I, I don't know if you, you coach anyone like that or you see organizations that are putting managers, leaders in a situation like that. How do you help them think through that so that they can manage their role, but also be a great manager? 
Yeah. And so I've definitely done some, some organizations are investing in coaching at that level. I think, you know, I do a lot of leadership development programs where I go in and a lot of the times I'm also recommending as an add-on to developing the leaders as coaching, where you can have that one-on-one support and actually dive in and help them figure out how to implement that. So when I'm working with people at that level, a lot of the times it is around, first of all, this uh, it's self-doubt. Because a lot of times at that level, you are like, hey, I was really good in my role. I was this rock star in my role. And now I'm managing people, usually peers who may also have wanted that role. You never know. So now you've got a lot of these relationship issues. So they're having a lot of self-doubt. And so we work on their confidence and how can you really step into and own your strengths and your voice and get clear in what your strengths are and lean into those Give yourself permission to tap into other people that you don't need to know it all. As a leader, you actually shouldn't be trying to do it all. You should be delegating and using your team. And then I would say one of the number one things that I work with leaders on, no matter what level they're in, is on their communication skills, meaning how are they giving feedback to people? How are they presenting their ideas to influence people? Because that's a big struggle that we see at honestly at all levels, but especially when you're stepping into those roles. Yeah, I agree completely. The communication is so, so important. It became even more important when so many people started working remotely, hybrid, and you know, being distributed in different places. We have some coming back, and now you have a lot of managers with teams where like a couple people are in the office and some are not. And how do you manage communication so that everybody's on the same page and aligned and they feel like they're looked after and cared for? These are really, really important things. When you think about the organization developing a new leadership development program because they want to give their leaders the capabilities. They want to help their leaders develop and grow and become better managers. I know you've been involved in creating those, running those. What do you see as some of the most important components or best practices when it comes to creating great leadership development? Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially at that emerging level. So I have an emerging leader program that I run with a few organizations that's really targeted at this group. They're either getting, they've either been tapped on the shoulder and deemed as sort of high potentials, high performers, potentially on that track for leadership, or in some organizations, you know, emerging leader is somebody who is a leader and they're Mm -hmm. growing, but especially at that kind of level, one of the things we really focus on in those sessions is that self-awareness. We spend a lot of time in the beginning because this is a piece that I really see missed is really getting more clear on what they value, who they are, what their career goals are. And there's one organization I work with who they literally run this program so that people can answer the question, is leadership right for me? And that I think is such a gold star example of not just plopping people into roles, but really trying to get people in the roles who want the roles because we know that the leaders are gonna have that ripple effect. So definitely some type of component in your leadership program where people can do a little more self-reflection and really figure out what are their strengths? You know, what do they not love doing? What are the things that they value? What's their vision for their career growth? And then also bringing on to what are some of the foundational leadership skills that your organization is missing? So if you haven't done some type of skills gap or kind of discovery to see what do you feel like people are missing? Is it people are missing coaching skills as leaders? Is it that people are really missing, you know, giving feedback to people, like really kind of taking an assessment to see what skills are we missing and how can we start to integrate that in our leadership programs earlier on so that people are getting tooled up with those things. So again, a few areas that I hear a lot is, you know, providing coaching and feedback to team members, managing up. This one comes up a lot in my leadership programs is if I'm at a certain level, how do I manage people higher than me? Or how do I manage people who aren't my direct Mm -hmm. reports? So managing across, I would say it's like managing all enterprise wide down across and up. 
Yeah, that's a really big one. Also those influence skills. So how are you influencing, you know, decision makers, if you're trying to get buy-in for a project or for an initiative, those are things that a lot of people are not skilled in or haven't been taught. Yeah, absolutely. So providing that coaching and feedback, these are some of these essential skills you talked about, Mm. managing up and around those influence skills, which I think really kind of delves into the communication skills, which are really important. They go hand in hand, as well as building the self-awareness. You talked about being really, really important, something that I think is incredibly important for owning your career, for leadership, for every area of life. You're developing your mindset, right, is, is developing that mindset. When it comes to developing influence skills, I had a client ask me recently to create a workshop for them on helping their people with influence. I feel like this is a a topic that's coming up more, especially the idea of influencing without authority. I'm putting that in air Mm -hmm. quotes because I've heard that multiple times before. We want our people to get more, be more influential. Certainly need leaders to be able to influence more. We see organizations that are becoming more quote unquote flat Right. And so people need to be able to influence more without necessarily authority. What do you see as some of the the key components to that? Or how do we help leaders become more influential? Yeah. I mean, we're just like you, it's to me, it makes complete sense why this is coming up is because we're we're seeing that when people are trying to, whether they're they're not a director or things like that, but they're leading projects, you're a project manager. And this kind of go hand goes hand in hand with another area I was going to say that I'm seeing a lot in organizations is resiliency. Mm. There's a lot of statistics out there right now around the percentage of leaders that feel that resiliency is important. It's like 97% of people, um, leaders and organizations believe that resiliency is important, but only about 46% believe that their organization is resilient, right? And so this kind of goes hand in hand with the influences because how are we preparing people to navigate all the pivots that we see and all the changes that we see, even if you don't feel like you have that authority or if you don't feel like you have all the information. So when it comes to the influence, again, one of the first things I would say, because what is influence, right? Usually it's, are you able to clearly and articulately demonstrate your ideas to other people to influence their decisions, their emotions, right? So if you're trying to get buy-in from something or even just trying to get people on board with something that you have, First, you have to really get clear on what's the like, what's the point? What what is the thing you're trying to, you know, I don't want to say convince, but convince people of or influence people of. You have to be more clear on that. A lot of the times when I'm helping people with this, I'm like, okay, you're getting ready for a presentation. You're trying to influence the board or influencing a team, and they'll they'll do it. And I go, I'm lost. I don't even know what you're trying to, you know, tell me or get me to do. So the first thing is you have to have more clarity about like what's your point and why does it matter? Getting more clear there. You have to know who's in the room and what level of detail and information do they need? That's a big one, right? So some people don't need all details. They don't want all details and they're going to get really lost if you give them too many details. So kind of knowing who it is that you're trying to influence and what level of detail that they need. And then the other one is practice. People really underestimate practicing. If you're actually getting ready to have a conversation with someone where you're trying to work on your influence, but you haven't practiced a lot of the times your nerves are going to get you then, right? And then you start rambling because you, you you feel like you have to overcompensate. Your voice starts to shake, your hand starts to shake, and then you really get in your head and, you know, who knows where you go then. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of it's being able to communicate effectively, understanding where people are coming from. Empathy is big. Practice is a big one there. One word I, I don't think I heard you say that I think of a lot, but when we talk about influence is trust, right? Is I feel oh, like yeah. these, these go hand in hand, right? And and leaders need to find ways to build more trust because 
we sort of moved beyond the age of the command and control, like just do what I say because I'm your boss. And there's always still some element of that. But if there's not an element of trust or an element of purpose, or like you're not really able to sit down and explain the reason why, you're going to find people are a lot less motivated and they may end up walking out the door at some point. Oh yeah. Trust is a big one. We talk about that building trust and confidence, trust within yourself, trust within your teams. And how likely are you to jump on board with something, especially with a change initiative, if you don't have any trust built with that person. So that trust being a really big one that, you know, it's hard to tangibly say, Hey, this is how you build trust. Right. But we know it when we see it or when we feel it. One of the things you talk about when it comes to leadership development and, and leadership in general is, is stepping into the mindset of a leader to reach potential and help others do the same. So you and I both, like we discussed, have studied mindset a ton. We talk about it all the time. We talk to our kids about it. We talk with our spouses about it. But for leaders that haven't really thought about this concept of mindset, even though we all have it, right? how do you help them raise their own awareness of how they're approaching things and develop more of a resilient mindset or even a more of a growth mindset to operate in their organization. Mm -hmm. So one of the, I have a tool, I have a, a, an assessment that oftentimes I'm giving to organizations when we're doing leadership development or coaching clients, things like that. It's called energy leadership and it's an attitudinal assessment. And so it's really a good step into giving people an insight into it. It really is showing you, how do you show up when things are going well for you? How do you show up in times of stress? And it gives you numbers. We kind of talk through what that all means, these different energy levels. And so that's one of the ways is to be able to, people love assessments where you can actually start to kind of quantify the things we're talking about. And then also when I talk about stepping into a leadership mindset, again, it's coming back to the idea that we put people in a leadership role, or maybe you even raise your hand for a leadership role and you spend so much time focusing on, you know, the external strategy. Like I have to say the right thing. I have to know how to do the budget. I have to know how to do the strategy. Like, yes. And we need to do all of that. And also you need to work on the fact that you have now pivoted into your value being redefined. Because one of the things that I see, again, as a leader is they go, but I was the doer. I was the one doing all the things and getting the things done. And now I have to delegate that. And I feel bad delegating and I feel bad giving people feedback. And because of that, they don't do it. And then we find leaders whose calendars are bogged down. They don't have time to eat lunch or go to the bathroom during the day because they are doing so many things and not delegating. So when I talk about stepping into the leadership mindset, it's also redefining your value as a leader. It's no longer just that you have to be the doer. It's that now you are there to empower and help other people yeah. to be the doers. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. I, I think leadership at its core is all about enabling and empowering others to succeed. And if you are truly stepping into your role as a leader, you're spending most of your time delegating, coaching, and helping others do their job so that you don't need to do any of the work, right? It, it sounds lazy to some who came from the, the world of doing all the work, but that is the role of a leader. And a great leader is going to empower their team to, to accomplish more. And so they don't have to do as much stuff. One of the things you also talk about is power of presence and building your presence and communication to develop not only your career, but I feel like this is really important for leaders as well. Can you talk about the importance of presence for leaders? We talked about communication. I feel like this goes hand in hand with that. Mm -hmm. And it's also another one that has become more challenging in the last few years as so many people are working remotely and, and kind of all over the place. 
Yeah, that's so true. This is one of the things that when an organization comes to me and say, Hey, this is something we're missing in our, you know, leadership, or if we're talking about a particular executive, executive presence is one of those top words that I hear. And when we dig in and define, what do you mean by executive presence? Usually it is, you know, sometimes when we think of presence, it's that intangible. It's like an energy that you feel when somebody's in the room. Sometimes I think it's the person, you know, if you just think about when someone walks into the room or virtually they hop on the camera, it's like, how do you feel? That's part of the presence. Do you feel totally depleted and like, oh my gosh, they're, they're here, they're in the room. Do you feel energized? Do you feel like, oh gosh, they're going to motivate me, excite me. They're going to challenge me, right? So part of it is that feeling, which is hard for us to really, you know, you just know it. And then it's like, how do I emulate that feeling? But also we think about presence, right? It is how you carry yourself. So we talk about even body language, you know, if you're hunched over all the time, if you've always got your arms crossed, like how does that make you feel? And also what how do you feel like that comes off to other people? So sometimes it's just physically like rolling your shoulders back, taking up space. You know, we talk about Amy Cuddy's, you know, Ted talk where she talks about power posing and things like that. So that's part of it. It's also then the words that you're using. So we think about presence again, it's really knowing and catering your message to who you're talking to. So whether that's in the zoom room or it's in front of people live, how are you carrying yourself and how are you conveying your message in a way that's clear and it's appropriate for the audience And, you know, again, it's also what is that presence that you have when you're not in the room? Mm. So what do people say when you're not in the room? How do people feel when they hear your name? All of that is part of your presence and also sort of your personal brand. Yeah, I was going to say at the end there that this is uh, jives with a lot of what I talk about with regards to building your personal brand, which mm. is essentially your reputation is what people think about you, what they say about you, especially when you're not in the room. And we all have a brand. We all have a reputation. And we're forming that all the time with our actions and how we show up and how we interact with other people, how we work. And so I'm always a big advocate of being mindful and intentional with that brand and how we're showing up as well as the presence that we're developing at work. We can't control other people and what they think about us or the work that we do, but we can certainly influence with how we show up, how we treat others, how we talk about the work that we do, making sure that people are aware of of that work. Mm -hmm. Last thing I want to ask about, you know, I want to come back to coaching. As I mentioned, I would, because you've done a lot of work in this space and you mentioned you discovered the power of coaching when you were inside organization, you really wanted to get into coaching for companies that are looking at providing more coaching to their leaders and to people. A, what would you look for in terms of bringing someone in from the outside to provide coaching for leaders, mm-hmm. someone like you, or maybe a more a larger coaching at scale you know, type organization? And B, if you say couldn't necessarily bring in outside help, but you wanted our, your leaders to get better at coaching their team, what, what guidance can we give them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the first thing from an outside perspective, and this is a big co- conversation. So my firm's actually expanding right now. You know, I've been the primary coach and we're expanding and bringing on other coach members so that when we work with organizations and they've got like larger needs that we have more people to support that. And also people who have different skills and have different certifications. So we're bringing more people on to my firm to be able to support some of those larger things, because what we are seeing you know, one of the biggest things I hear from the leader that we're coaching, but also organization is that there's a lot more ability for the leader to be more transparent and open about the things they're struggling with when they're working with an outside person, right? Because I have, you know, the, when I'm coaching somebody, of course, I am holding the, you know, what the organization wants this leader, their goals and what the leader's goals are. And also I'm a completely open 
and non-judgment, non-biased person who's able to really listen to what this person is struggling with to reflect it back to them and help support them without a stake in the game in terms of being their leader. Right. And so that's a large thing is if you're looking to really support leaders and, and help them in some of those challenges, sometimes they're not willing to be as open and vulnerable and really dig in on what's really going on when it's an internal person. Also, it just comes down to experience. You know, if, if, I obviously I'm certified through the ICF. I think that's really important as a coach because you know that we are trained in science-based coaching. And sometimes if you're just using people in the organization, they might not be tooled and skilled up in all of those things. So that would be one thing to consider is if, you know, especially if you have some high potentials or if you have a group of leaders that you're really looking to help support and that they're going to be impactful for the organization, looking at outside organizations, again, some things to look at is what's the level of experience of that coaching organization? What type of certifications do they have? What's their process look like? Do they have any sort of proprietary frameworks or assessment tools that they use? So, you know, again, we use energy leadership. We also use mental fitness. People on our on our, our team are using DISC, things like that. So really looking at what types of support are they going to be able to give and, and how many different people in the organization are they able to support? And then from an internal coaching perspective, because the reality is budgets, right? Yeah, <laughs> we right. all hear that. So if you're like, gosh, this sounds great. I would love to bring in an external coach but it's just not on the budget right now, then definitely focus on your leaders getting those basic coaching skills. So one of the first things is how can they get better at asking questions? How can you take what we call the coach approach? You know, the coach approach is a leader where you're not constantly telling people what to do. They come to you and you're not constantly spoon feeding them what to do, but you're challenging them and you're asking them questions. So you know, I teach this in a lot of my programs is that coach approach, asking open-ended questions instead of one word answers, you know, it's like, Oh, what would that look like? Can you tell me more about that? Mm. You know, how did, how did that make you feel? What would happen if, so they're really open-ended questions. And honestly, if you can, as a leader, start to really work on your question asking, you can pull out a lot more from your team. So I would say asking questions. And then the one other thing that I always encourage is acknowledge and validate. So as a coach, you acknowledge and validate how someone feels. A lot of the times people just want to feel like they were heard. So if you have someone coming into you, especially if you're in like the HR and you're so used to somebody coming in and complaining to you all the time, and you're constantly jumping into fix it mode, or I know how you feel. Let me tell you about all of the times that this happened to me, that other person does not feel heard. And so as a leader, you can acknowledge what they're saying without jumping into the pit. When we say jumping into the pit, it means you're like commiserating with them. Like, oh yeah, I know that person or things like that. Instead, you're going, it makes sense that you feel that way, given that you worked so hard on that. And all of a sudden you can actually diffuse a lot of the emotions that are there. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. There's some really great advice there. And we all want to feel valuable and therefore we are tempted, you know, we want to just jump in and start giving advice. I see this as common with, with leaders. I used to run a lot of leadership development programs. And one of the biggest challenges I would always see is that desire, that need to feel like they're the smartest person in the room, which is not necessary. You don't have to be the smartest person in the room. You just need to delegate to the smart people (laughs) that are on your team, right? And ask them questions to be able to help them access the answers that are often within them, not always, right? But sometimes just listen 
to them vent about whatever's going on and then ask them what support do they need. And you can be seen as a much better coach as a result of that. So Julie, thank you. This has been fantastic. We covered a lot of great ground with regards to leadership development, developing leaders, becoming a better coach, becoming more resilient and so much more. If anybody's listening and wants to connect with you or ask you any questions about some of the stuff we talked about, I know you're pretty active on LinkedIn. Where's the best place for them to go? Yeah. LinkedIn is probably, you know, the best you can all will also drop my email. You can also, I'm always open to people reaching out email LinkedIn. I post a lot of content on that. And also for anyone who's at that executive level, our firm is now hosting executive forums. So every month we're going to be hosting executive forums, which are conversations on different topics around things that we're seeing organizations experience in the space. So if you're somebody who is in those, you know, executive roles in leadership development, HR, talent development, those are the types of conversations. The one we have coming up is around closing the leadership gap, which is what I talked about before. So every single month we'll have those. I can share the link for um, anyone who's interested to check them out, free to join. And we also invite you know leaders from all different organizations and different industries so that we can really have a robust conversation. Ooh, I like that. We might have to see if we can get you to run one of those in the think tank community yeah. for our members. We often we love doing forums and having discussions around different topics around talent development, including leadership. So we'll have to talk mm-hmm. about that. You can send me the link. We'll put it in our show notes. You need to stick around because we're going to do our bonus Q&A. But for those of you listening, thanks so much for being here. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. We are going to, I'm going to work on getting Julie Book to speak in our talent development think tank community and run one of those executive sessions for us. If you're not yet a member, come check us out. Our website is tdtt.us. You can find all the information there about our podcast, about our community, and our upcoming conference that's going to be later this year in November of 2024. So make sure you go check that out. Go connect with Julie, connect with me, and take something that you heard here today and uh, go put it into practice, whether it's about your mindset, becoming more resilient, or even helping your leaders become better coaches as well. So thanks again for listening, and I will talk to you next time.